welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Well, that is Handel's Messiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. And it's in my head because my mom and I went to the Messiah this past week. And to me, that is just Christmas. And uh, all, it was as I was getting ready to record this episode, that song was in my head, which how ironic is that? <laughs> we are doing a recovery podcast and uh, we think about the song and the idea that, you know, we have all failed. We all make mistakes. And so anyway, I wanted to play that for you. I don't know if you love the Messiah as much as I do, but to me, that is classic Christmas. Grew up with that in the house. Love singing it. Love listening to it. So hi, everyone. It's Kyleen today doing a solo podcast. I can't believe this is our last episode of both 2023 and season one of the podcast. It's so exciting. So thank you for being here today. As we come to the end of this year, we're wrapping up our third year in recovery. Oh my gosh, what a journey it has been. And we're wrapping up this first season of the podcast. That's just such a cool thing. Like, you know, when we had started this journey, like I didn't know that we would be here, you know? And so looking back, this is just really cool. I thought I would just take a moment um, on this episode to reflect on some of the biggest things that have happened this year. You know, I often have conversations with betrayed women about what recovery looks like and the timeline. And you'll hear me say, and you've probably heard me say this a lot in the podcast too, that there is both a general average time of recovery and that it's going to look different for everyone. So we say that generally recovery for the betrayed partner takes one to three years, but so much of that is dependent on the work the couple or individuals put in and when that recovery work starts. So for example, if the betrayed spouse is not working with a coach or a therapist for the first year, or if the addicted spouse is relapsing a lot for that first year, that timeline of recovery might not start until those things are happening. So assuming a couple wants to work uh, towards reconciliation, that timeline really does start when you have those two things happening, the addicted partner getting into actual recovery and the betrayed partner actively getting support for the trauma for her own healing. Similarly, if you choose not to stay together, it's still important to remember that the individual healing work is still really, really important. We don't want to take those traumas, those beliefs, those fears, those insecurities, um, the wounding with us into any other relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or just our friendships and, and our life in general. So today, I thought that I would just share with you and reflect on five things that have happened this year that are really due to that deep level of healing um, that we have invested in and and taken that time with and and really put the energy into. And so we're just going to talk about five things that happened that healing really set the stage and allowed to happen for us in this past year. 
So the first thing is we started this podcast. I have long thought that working together with Patrick in some context would be really fun. And I've thought about that in a variety of different ways, but I really didn't know that it would be a podcast until we went through everything and began sharing our story you know, publicly and and with everyone. I had a functional health podcast years ago and I love like personally di- digesting podcasts and listening to podcasts on a regular basis. I love the audio component of learning and absorbing new information. And, you know, for me too, I work from home. And so I enjoy driving or walking around the house, listening to a podcast. It kind of keeps me company sometimes. And When you listen to a podcast for a long time, you sort of feel like you get to know the hosts. And I just love that. I just, I like the whole, um, you know, medium of podcasting. So I was really happy that Patrick agreed to do this with me because one, it's really fun to do together. Two, it's helpful for me, you know, when my brain is tired um, or I'm not feeling really creative to have another person sort of help me think through what, you know, what are we going to talk about this week? What's important to share? What's on your mind? Like, how can we um, encourage other people this week? And, and, you know, what's going to be a good episode? So having him there to kind of um, bounce ideas off of is really great. And number three, I think it's nice in this particular topic to have both sides of recovery shared, you know, and you don't see that very often. So I'm glad he's willing to do that. I'm really happy that he is participating in this. We are so thankful when you reach out and tell us how this podcast or how an episode has been supportive to you. It really does mean a lot to us to hear that you relate to what we are saying, um, maybe how we are saying it. You know, when I'm sharing certain thoughts or feelings that I went through, we really appreciate hearing that it helps you understand maybe the other perspective, you know, from the addicted side or the betrayed side, or or maybe that it has pushed you forward in your own healing, that it connected you with the right practitioners or the right resources. Just the other day, a client told me how her husband loves listening to me on the podcast because it helps him understand her perspective, and she loves listening to Patrick for the same reason. And so that, you know, hearing that feedback is just really encouraging to us. So thank you for everyone who has done that, and thank you for being here. So the first thing, you know, that I wanted to share about healing is that we're able to do this. I mean, that's just such a big deal, you know, and we think about what healing allows you to do in life, it allows you to show up very differently. And I remember when I started or when I was preparing to share my story publicly, uh, I shared it about around a year and a half into recovery. So around a year and a half after discovery, when I started talking about it on social media and and sharing everything openly. And um, that took a lot of intentional preparation. It took a lot of healing. Um, It took a lot of thinking through like what it, when I share this publicly, what are the insecurities that I have that if somebody makes a negative comment are going to hurt my feelings or going to, um, you know, uh, bother me in some way. And so I had to really kind of intentionally prepare for that. And then to be able to get to the point in healing and recovery individually, but in our relationship as well, where we could not only share publicly, but then we could start uh, talking and sharing our story in a podcast with you, both both perspectives is just really cool. So I think that's a, a big sign of healing. So I wanted to share that as one of the one of the things today. So the second thing 
that healing has allowed us to do um, or allowed me to do is I continue to grow my betrayal recovery coaching practice, which is just really fun. It's really um, rewarding for me. It has been an absolute joy to work with women one-on-one. It's both challenging to me to be immersed in a world of trauma and pain and incredibly rewarding to support women as they move through that, choosing a life of healing and recovery. So I think I've shared with this shared this with you before, but I work both for myself and for a post betrayal institute as a as one of their coaches, and that's just really increased my flexibility and experience working with people from all different backgrounds and in different ways. So, for example, with PBT, I've had the opportunity to work with women and men, as well as being a practitioner on the team of support for an addict working to get into his recovery. So that has just been, um, you know, some new experiences for me and um, challenging and again, very rewarding um, and teaching me, you know, kind of how to uh, be, again, be flexible and work in maybe a dif- some different ways and different areas that I don't necessarily work in my own coaching practice. So it's been really, really cool to, to get to do that. PBT coaching is also done in 30 minute increments. And so the clients also have the ability to choose from several coaches. So I'm challenged to really make the 30 minutes I have with that person, with that individual count. And that's really helped me as a coach to think quickly, to figure out how I can support someone in a short period of time, listen to yeah, and pull out, you know, what is the need that they are sharing and how can I support them in a practical way in 30 minutes and, and give them some tools and resources. And so that's been really awesome. And I've been lucky enough to have a lot of the clients there become recurring clients and choose to book with me again. So that's been really, really nice uh, to have that experience. I always find it helpful to work with people over a longer period of time because as we develop relationships, I get to know you more deeply and, I, and I'm going to understand on a deeper level what's going to help you more effectively, right? And I, you, you sort of, when you develop a relationship with someone in a coaching uh, aspect you sort of learn you know what makes them tick and 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 what uh, modalities you relate to the most and you know what what coaching styles you know uh, vibe with you and so I like I really enjoy having that um, longer term relationship as well so that kind of brings me into my one-on-one coaching style when you know in my business and my coaching practice uh, while I have both the option for those who need it to book a coaching session one at a time. So you just basically like book a session. And if you want to do that every week, great. If you want to do it every other week, great. But you can, you know, you do that based on um, your needs and where you are in recovery as well as your budget. And so that is definitely an option. And one of my favorite ways to work with clients is in a six-month coaching package because, again, that really is going to allow me to develop that long-term relationship. We sort of have a a commitment of time that we are um, choosing to be together for, to work through this process. And, you know, we know that healing is a marathon, not a sprint. And so when both of us know that we're committed to at least six months together, we can really relax into that process and into that relationship. And it's really rewarding on both ends. So I use this six months differently depending on where the betrayed partner is in the healing journey and when they come to me. So for example, I have some clients where most of the six months is really focused on safety and stabilization, boundaries, and possibly uh, preparing for disclosure. 
It's all about finding ways to feel safe and establish some stability in their life and relationship so they can begin to move forward. For other clients who maybe they've already gotten through the stabilization phase, maybe their spouse is in recovery, or maybe they've already had the disclosure, this just takes a different focus. And and this time in that area, we're going to focus more on the trauma aspect and the emotional processing aspect. And that is just really some amazing work. This phase is all about identifying fears and insecurities, um, really looking at recurring triggers, limiting beliefs, and working with the subconscious mind to effectively and long-term release those as we step into a new identity of healing and recovery. And really, through this process, what's really cool about it is that we kind of get to think about the person that we want to be, and we get to choose the exercises and how we release things that are holding us back in life and keeping us stuck and choosing to, uh, we really get to choose who it is that we want to be moving forward. Like, what does recovery look like to us? And we kind of get to um, identify that that person and choose in, in these exercises, like, how can I use this exercise to begin stepping into that pattern, that new belief, that new version of myself? So that's pretty cool. So each client obviously is so different and each relationship is different. So coaching is always personalized based on where you are, what you need, and what's going to be most helpful that particular week. So sometimes we're doing deep um, emotional processing, deep subconscious work, and sometimes we're just talking about how your week went and we're doing some coaching and we're kind of talking through things, maybe reframing something or encouraging you through like how to navigate a certain conversation or a certain boundary. So it's really tailored to what you need. So if you're listening to this and you're going, oh my gosh, that's what I need. I need that support. If you're interested in uh, seeing if working together is a good fit, I offer free connection calls to talk about what that looks like and to get to know you a little bit and for you to get to know me. And so you can always click the link in the show notes to get that scheduled. And I would love to connect with you. So the number three thing, and this is a pretty big thing that healing really allowed to occur this year, is that in September of this year, we chose a new anniversary date. So this was a huge step in healing. And this is a question that comes up a lot for a lot of people. You know, what do I do with my rings? How do I celebrate my anniversary when it holds so much pain? Do I celebrate it? Like, you know, what do I do? And and the answer for this is going to be different for everyone. So I'm just going to share my perspective, my story, and and you can choose your own story, your own path. And that's totally okay. It does not have to be the same. So I was not wearing my rings when discovery happened because we had sent them off to get cleaned, resized, and um, soldered together a few months prior to discovery. So when everything came out and the rings came back, I couldn't put them back on. It just didn't feel right to me, and I didn't want to do that. To me, they really represented a promise, a commitment, and a vow together that was not valid anymore because of lies and manipulation. I felt like we got married under a false pretext and that I didn't have enough information to offer real consent at the altar. As discovery continued, I also found some evidence that Patrick had acted out on our anniversary. And that was, oh, just so incredibly painful for me. That just was horrible when I kind of put those two together. And that was the day that I felt like the spiritual and energetic cord that connected us was severed. And I had really no idea of when or if that connection could come back or if a new one could maybe be created. And so that just was, to me, I didn't want to 
celebrate the anniversary anymore. The anniversary felt like celebrating something that wasn't valid. It didn't. It did not represent truth to me. And and certainly we were not in a a, a place in our relationship where that felt good. So we just didn't do it. So in our mind, um, we really wanted to find something else to celebrate, but we also wanted it to happen organically. So we didn't want to push it. We didn't want to just randomly choose another date. Although (laughs) I will be honest, I started to get a little impatient as we came into the third year. I was like, how long is it going to take for something organic to come around? You know, I want to go on. We used to schedule uh, week-long vacations around our anniversary and stuff like that. And so I was kind of like, man, I'd really like like something specific uh, uh, to really kind of, you know, have this moment that we can intentionally celebrate and and look forward to and stuff like that. So I was starting to get a little like, oh my gosh, like I want this to happen organically, but how long is it going to take? So as our healing continued into year three, I started to let Patrick know that I am more open to wearing a ring again, but you know, I definitely wanted it to be a different one. So I initiated that and opened the door for that. It's not that Patrick didn't think about that as well, but he was really waiting to hear from me and to know that I was um, ready to move on that, that it was okay for me to wear another ring that I was comfortable with that and that it would be okay if he you know, went through that process. So once I started that ball rolling, he took action on it. And September 6th, he presented me with a beautiful letter that he read out loud along with a new ring. And we decided that that would be our new date and to sell, to celebrate after that. So there are really so many things that I loved about that, you know, quote unquote proposal. But I think that may be a deeper conversation for another episode where we kind of walk through, you know, what that meant and and some of the details there. And, and that would be great if Patrick was, you know, with me to kind of walk through that process. So I think we'll we'll save that for another episode. But but number three, one of the things that healing allowed us to do was get to this point where I felt comfortable wearing a ring again and um, picking another date. And that was, that was a really, really, really big moment for me. Really, really, really big. Number four, Patrick got a promotion at work this year and he joined the church council this year. I lumped these two together partially because they happened around the same time, but also because they both really demonstrate what consistent healing looks like and how it manifests after several years of work. So almost immediately after Patrick began to get into recovery, he noticed that his work improved, which makes sense, right? He's more present. His brain is more focused. He's not distracted, right? Weird things like the plant in his office perked up and started thriving and looking healthy. Talk about negative energy versus positive healing energy and how that impacts your environment. I always thought that that observation was super cool and super amazing because I really believe that, you know, you know, when you're in addiction, like there is negative energy surrounding you. There's shame, there's guilt, even just the frequency that your own body is going to be generating, not to mention, you know, surrounding you is going to be dark energy. It's going to be negative energy, right? It's going to be low frequency energy. And that's very destructive. But if you think about the frequency of energies, if we have fear, guilt, and shame, those are very low frequency. If you think about compassion and love, those are very high frequency and those are very healing energies. And so you just think about the the shift when somebody goes from eh, being in an addiction and feeling tremendous amounts of shame to feeling free and getting into recovery and the shift in their frequency. And then, so I just thought that was a cool thing that, um, his plant in his office literally started to get healthier and he could 
it was like a visible sign of healing in his environment. I thought that was really cool. So um, anyway, he started to do better at his job and just feel more focused and present. And, and you know, that kind of brings up another uh, point as well that, so as he felt better three years later here, right, he received a promotion and a shift in his job position. And this is something that comes with more leadership and oversight. And I want to pause on that because when a man or anyone is an active addiction, you can't really actively be a leader, right? Um, we lead ourselves first. And so you can't really be a leader, at, at least not in the best sense of the word, because a leader is someone who is is walking in integrity and authenticity, who is able to focus, who is able to empathize, who is able to connect with other people. And addiction really takes a lot of that away, again, at least on the deeper levels of it, right? And so around this same time that he got this this promotion at work, um, he also got offered to be on the church council. And this is an interesting thing because when everything came out in 2021, um, Patrick had been doing some leadership coaching for our old church, the church that we used to go to. And he really needed to kind of step back from that in some ways, recognizing that as he healed, he needed to focus on his recovery and not really have any sort of authoritative or leadership position, especially in a church context. It just, it simply was not appropriate. You know, he needed to focus on recovery and, and that's what was important. And so here we are three years later after the deep healing and recovery work that he has engaged in. And this opportunity comes up at the church that we currently go to and he took it. And it's to me, it's so representative of what recovery offers. And I think it brings up a, a, an, an important thought that during recovery, sometimes you have to make what seem like sacrifices for the greater good for your long-term recovery. And one of those things is, is sometimes voluntarily stepping down from positions that might be inappropriate while you're still working towards healing. Certainly that includes church leadership type positions, but it may also mean passing some other passing on some other opportunities that come up temporarily because recovery becomes the primary focus. And you've heard us talk about this. We really view it as cancer in the relationship and you have to stop sort of everything in your life and take it as seriously as you would cancer treatment and and recovery of the um, addiction, but recovery of the relationship then becomes really the primary focus in your life at that point. It, it temporarily takes the, the primary focus. So I think when you have, you know, that patience and that perspective in that area, it really does pay off in the end. I will just say kind of looking back on three years, there are so many things that we sort of painstakingly waited on, painstakingly waited on. Sometimes it just felt like they took forever and eventually they came around in the right time as healing continued. But I just want to encourage you with that to, to continue to be patient through this process. There are so, so, so many things that just seemed to take forever, um, but they come about in their own time and, and we don't want to push things too quickly. So be patient through this process. So the fifth thing that healing really has allowed to occur uh, was the depth of our relationship and connection this year. So if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably really gotten the sense that we have been good friends through this whole thing. And that is very true. We definitely have our ups and downs and we have tried to openly share those as well. So not every day is roses, even when things are going well. 
But for me, and I think for Patrick as well, this third year and even even the second half of the third year has really kicked in like this deeper level of connection and intimacy in the coupleship for us. So again, this is something I think required uh, or, or maybe requires a separate episode to go maybe a little bit deeper into, but many, 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 many areas of our relationship were incredibly slow to heal even while everything surface level was going quote unquote right in all of the ways, right? Like Patrick checked all the boxes. Patrick was staying in recovery. I was doing all the healing work. I was working on my subconscious. I was doing this. I was doing that. You know, we were doing all the right things and healing still took time. So I just want to pause with that and let you know that, you know, your timeline may be faster than ours and that's totally okay. It might be slower than ours and that's also totally okay. But there, there is not, not necessarily a, perfectly right way to do it, except to um, make sure that you're checking in and listening to your own body. Because um, there's just a lot of areas that I felt like were really slow to heal, even though, and and sometimes that felt frustrating because I was like, I'm doing all the right things. Why isn't this going faster? Right? So if you feel like that, I totally relate to you. It is like, there were many days, many weeks, many months where I was on the struggle bus of like, I don't want to be here right now. And I don't want to stay in this place. I want to feel better. I want to get better. Um, but sometimes the the key component when you're doing quote unquote, all of the right things and you're, you are investing in the healing some of that, sometimes that key component is just time. And so if you're not doing the healing work, definitely focus on that. Hire a coach, work with a therapist, do do the things because that's really important. But if you're already invested in that and you're feeling a little frustrated, give it a little bit of time because that's something that I really noticed through this process is when you're doing all the right things, time still needs um, to play out. There were many days for sure um, where I felt like something was wrong with me, that my healing couldn't move faster or, you know, I would compare myself to other people and I'm like, why is this taking so long? But, you know, again, recovery is so much like, it it really is so much like the tortoise versus the hare, right? The tortoise wins the race. You never want to rush something or force something that isn't there. You do want to regularly recalibrate, take stock, analyze where more healing needs to come in, communicate with your partner, ask for support, do the deeper work, all of the things, right? Like I was just mentioning, you know, above, like doing, doing, or a minute ago, doing all of the things. But when you do that, it can feel incredibly slow, you know? And, and so it, the frustration can come in there, I guess, is, you know, I, I want to share that. And then that's something that I have certainly felt. But at the same time, I really wanted to do everything with integrity as much as I could. I wanted to both push myself past my comfort zone to further my growth and my healing you know, when it was appropriate, when I was kind of like, okay, like, I think it's okay to push myself here. Like, it's safe to push myself here and sort of tapping in and knowing, okay, this is this is an area where it's time for me to push myself past my comfort zone. Why? And I wanted to do that while still respecting any internal boundaries that were showing up, right? So you don't want to, you don't want to push a boundary that's still keeping you safe. But when you notice that, okay, well, now I'm just holding to this boundary because I'm comfortable with it, not because I need it anymore. That's when maybe you can kind of begin to push through it. And so again, working with people that are going to help you sort of navigate when is that the right time and how can you learn to kind of trust that intuition, right? And so I wanted to make sure that I was I was pushing myself to grow while also not pushing myself so fast that I'm overriding my internal senses of security and safety, right? 
So for me, this recovery thing took a long time. And so reflecting where we are now at the end of three years, it it truly does feel like we are people in a new relationship. And I'm so glad we took the path we did, taking our time and not pushing any aspect of it too quickly, too fast. I would say in the, in the you know, like I said, in the second half of the third year or, or even towards the end of this year, there have been a lot of walls that have come down for us. More vulner, more vulnerability, I can use, more vulnerability, tongue twister, uh, more connection, more safety in the coupleship aspect of this as we continue to move forward. And that's a really exciting thing to finally feel after all of the work that we have put in, you know, um, it's like the it's like the reward at the end of the journey. It's like the the water and the the banana at the end of the marathon. You know, you're like, okay, I made it. And I have that you have the medal around your neck, right? It's like, and I'm not saying we've made it. There's certainly, you know, you you hear you hear us talk and, and share openly on the podcast. Like we definitely have things that we're still working on and, and things come up and triggers will show up and hard conversations will be had and you know, even even though we're here and this is like such a success, we're still sort of navigating like, what does this new relationship look like? And now that we sort of dissolved the old, how do we recreate the new, right? So there's still a lot of work that we have to do moving forward. But when we look where we're ending at the end of three years versus where we started, even at the beginning of this podcast, but certainly at the beginning of discovery, it's it's really rewarding to see, okay, all of these walls are starting to come down. We have more vulnerability, more connection, more safety together, um, and we're feeling more relaxed and secure in the relationship. I hope that's encouraging to you too. So no matter where you are in this journey, as long as you're engaging in, in that internal reflection, looking internally, that personal growth, connecting with people, with coaches, with therapists to support you through this healing, communicating honestly to each other throughout this process and giving yourself the time and space you need to truly heal, then I know it will happen for you. Recovery is certainly not the fastest or the easiest process, but I really do believe that it is worth it in the end. Again, whether you choose to do that together or individually, that process of healing is still so, so important. If this episode has resonated with you or if this podcast has helped you in any way this year, we would love to hear from you. So please take one moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. In fact, seeing some reviews from you at the end of 2023 would be a beautiful Christmas gift to us. We would so appreciate it. I know most of our listeners listen on Apple Podcasts. So if you have never left a review before, click the three dots on your screen, click go to show and scroll all the way down below the episodes and you will see an option to click five stars and add some comments to let us know how this podcast has supported you this year. So I hope this episode about the five things that have re- that healing has really allowed to occur in our life has been encouraging and supportive to you. We are so thankful for each one of you. We wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well so that you get notified in January when we come back for season two. We can't wait to see you then. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.